I have sort of a running joke when we have a guest on that's a big name, and we say they need no introduction. And then I talk for five minutes about their career accolades and who they are, but um, I don't think I'm going to do that. The visit speaks for itself. It's with Joe Buck, and it's primarily about his move from Fox to Monday Night Football and the pressure that went with that, sort of looking back at the first season. But anytime I visit with Joe, we go in a lot of different directions, and we just kind of ended up talking about bringing humor or personality into broadcasting. And then we got into, I wouldn't say it was a rabbit hole, but we ended up talking about his dad, Jack Buck. And I think what started was a conversation on KTRS with Julie Buck saying that her dad had been invited to the Letterman show but didn't get through the pre-screening with producers or something. And that kind of opened the door for Joe to talk about just how funny his dad was. I mean, in the history of St. Louis, there's one name when they say who just absolutely owned the banquet room, who could just walk in there, whatever the charity, whatever the event, and be funny, glib, and had everyone just just eating it up. And that name is Jack Buck. He's at that top of the list. And that was, that was the uh, public's view but there was also jack buck at the hospitals that nobody saw i mean he would make countless visits that's a whole nother story but our visit with joe is just looking back at the year that was for him and also how it all started the famous story with his mom carol buck sending the tape to ed gorn joe was like 25 and she's like you need to hire my son uh looking back on how that played out if it didn't happen what would Joe's career have looked like? So hopefully you'll enjoy the Kilcoin conversation. This originally aired on my new radio show, which is on KTRS in St. Louis, the Big 550, and it's weeknights from 6 to 7 p.m. And it's really great because the station is allowed for this format where we do longer-form interviews. You just don't hear that often over the air on radio. And I've likened it to more of a podcast on the radio, and uh, it's been great. I mean, we've had... Jim Hazlitt, Darren Pang, Doug Armstrong, Walt Jockety, Dr. Chaffetz, Mark Bolger, David Backus, Larry Hughes. And each person has brought a little something interesting to the table, things that I didn't realize about a situation or about their career. So great support over at KTRS. Again, if you can tune in or just get the app, the KTRS app, it's great. The Kilcoin Conversation weeknights from 6 to 7. We are coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. You already knew that. I was going to tell you kids eat free on Sunday, but you already knew that. All the fresh food is made fresh daily. Anything you order, they knock it out of the park, whether it's the pizza, the salad, their famous salad dressing. Heck, my kids just order the rolls. (laughs) They just load up on rolls and butter. It's so good. Everything is fresh every single day. Pastahouse.com, the website. You can also order online. Busy during the week. Kids have sports. You're running all over the place. Order ahead. Pick up the food to go. The whole meal packed into one. Pastahouse.com. Marie DeVilla Senior Living. They're at the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. They've been there since 1960. When you drive by, I think a lot of folks say, wait, is that a a country club over there? What is it? It's Senior Living. They have all levels of care. Villa Estates, Assisted Living. You can take a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. M-A-R-I-D-E. 
V-I-L-L-A.com. MarieDevilla.com. The home to Red Shandings for all those years. It's a beautiful spot in West County. Triad Bank, longtime sponsor of all the Killcoin podcasts. Appreciate the great support. Jim Regna, the CEO, locally owned bank, started in 2005. Five-star rated bank, and with all the weird stuff going on in the banking industry, it's great to have a bank that is secure, and that's what Triad Bank is. Neighborhood-friendly bank on Clayton Road and Frontenac. That second location's on Olive, just west of 270, and they're on the web at triadbanking.com. And Appliance Discounters, find them on the web at theappliancediscounters.com, theappliancediscounters.com. All the biggest names at the lowest prices. Get in that search engine, type in General Electric, GE often has rebates. The prices are already extremely low at Appliance Discounters, but this will take them even lower. Biggest names, lowest prices. Find out for yourself all around the St. Louis area or on the web at theappliancediscounters.com. Dot com. Let's do it. Let's get in, get into this conversation with Joe Buck. Joey, how are you? Great to talk to you. Uh, does anybody call you Joey? You know, no. The only person that ever called me Joey was Whitey Herzog, and but there was like a D in there, so I was like Johnny. Hey, hey, Johnny. <laughs> hey, why did you say that, Johnny? And uh, I, I don't. So it's not really Joey. I've never been called Joey, although I'll sign some emails or some texts, Joey, just to let the person, the recipient, know that I'm just in a friendly mood. It it actually sounds a little condescending, like when I said that, like, hey, Joey, it sounds like I'm talking down to you. Well, I would never take it that way. I know. (laughs) I I, I take it as a term of endearment. By the way, I, I love Whitey, and I love the fact he's still in tune with the current team. But he's he, unbelievable. He, I mean, like he he should be studied that to be <laughs> his age, and and he was like that. I know this is not the purpose of our interview, but I will never forget on his ten year anniversary with the Cardinals. My I was with my dad. We walked into his office, and my dad was doing his pregame interview with Whitey, as he did, which were just golden. And he said, "Well, Whitey, it's been a great ten years." And he went from year one through year 10, going through the season each year, like when they made acquisitions, what the record was at certain points. It was one of the most incredible interviews and moments I've ever seen. He, he is a savant and is just he's just a treasure. I, I love them. The recall is unbelievable. He's 91. So here he is at opening day. They've got all the Cardinal Hall of Famers in sort of the media room, and they roll in their red jackets. And as only Whitey can do, he's, he's funny, but he's always kind of complaining. And he's like, what's a guy got to do to get a red jacket around here? Because he's waiting for him to hand him his jacket. <laughs> and then and then, then he sees me, and, and Dan Caesar had written about a radio show, and I'm like, it's opening day. Talk about a Friday news dump. Nobody's going to see this. And Whitey goes, Martin, I saw you got a new show. And I'm like, how the hell does this guy know what's in the paper? He's amazing. Two in the he's afternoon. He's amazing. And, and that's why, you know, that's why he was so successful and in charge. And nobody nobody was one step ahead of that guy. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, we're all biased because we were here at the time and we witnessed the changeover from the brutal 70s to what he brought. Um, and, you know, that's why the man is so loved. 
and he does follow it closely, but he always, and I thought of this when you said Joey with a D in there, he was telling me yesterday about the new kid, Wallace, the, the big kid in right field. And then he, and I, I wanted to correct him, but you don't correct. And then he stopped and he's never done this because he'll usually be a vowel or consonant off. And then he said, is it Wallace? And I said, it's Walker. He goes, yeah, that kid. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Right. That guy. <laughs> well, yeah, by the way, I, you know, if you're going to ask me about this team, they, they, I, I really like this lineup a lot, and and I, I bought, I, I annoyed my two four-year-olds yesterday, as I was following on my phone, to tune into every one of Jordan Walker's at bats. Like we, we now have a guy, I think that is like must-see TV. Twenty years old, just monstrous person, looks like an unbelievable human being, and. uh you, there's no way he's 20 years old. I mean, he 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 is so in control and didn't look wide-eyed at all. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited to watch him for years to come. Yeah, he is. And as you sit there and talk to him, first of all, I'm pretty tall, and he towers over me. He's in a little better shape, and then he talks like a 20-year veteran. That's what kills yeah. me. Most of these guys come up, and we've had some young guys who are stars right away. They're just kind of sheepish, or they don't know how to even speak into a microphone. I mean, this kid, I, the word I would use is polished. It's unbelievable. Uh, well, right? I talked to the Cardinals, uh, you know, his, their equipment manager, um, Ernie Moore, just on a, a topic unrelated. And he said this kid is as good. He's been there forever, Ernie. He said he is as good a person as has come through these doors in a long, long time, which it's like, wow. I mean, then then you've got the guy that he, he's got the billboard guy now going forward that everybody's going to fall in love with. I love the fact you said, I'm not sure that that's the topic of this, this interview. And, you know, I, I've quoted this often, but Bob Costas said he'll be on shows. And he said in Martin, it doesn't matter if it's Tulsa or Toledo. That's not the point. But every once in a while, it's a radio interview. And they'll say, Bob, you went to Syracuse. You did the ABA. And he said, stop. Is this one of those Wikipedia interviews where they're going to go through like his entire career point by point? I think the main reason I wanted to get you on was we hadn't talked since the football season ended. We did something last spring after the move. And I just sort of wanted to kind of unpack it a little bit. Monday Night Football. It was a great season. They had big games. I think you and Troy were a hit. And, you know, I just wondered going into it, did you have any nerves? Because you were you were settled in at Fox. They loved you. You loved it. And then that's a big move. I know it's a lot of money and it's prestige, but I just wondered if there were any nerves making that move. Did you ever go into it and say, God, I hope I didn't screw this thing up? Totally. Um, totally. And, and you know, I, I've, I've told this story – once before maybe um but uh, it's worth repeating that just just to answer the question maybe the best way i can after that game our first game was in seattle and my wife michelle's uh, you know with with the pregame and uh so we you know it's an early start out west so we had time to to get dinner afterward and we just sat at dinner and and i finally exhaled i, I don't think i was aware of how hyped up and nervous I actually was under under the surface and down like deep in my soul but I I just kind of took a breath and I started crying I and I I don't 
I mean, I guess I'm an easy cry like my dad at, at America's Got Talent and American Idol and all that stuff. But uh, I, I was like, I, I felt relief, like, okay, we got through that one. And it felt like normal and it felt like football. And I was standing next to Troy and it was, and I thought we did a good job. And it was, uh, it was emotional. So yeah, that just let me know that while you play Mr. Tough Guy or Nothing Bothers Me or whatever on the surface, down deep I was churning uh, leading into that game. And it was a fun year. You know, I our schedule looked great going into the, at the start of the year. And then, you know, like all schedules do, it kind of hurt because teams didn't really play the way everybody thought they would. And now going into this year, we have the capability of flexing out of some of the games I think we probably would have flexed out of last year. So, uh, it's it, it was a good start, but I'm more excited for this year and going forward. I don't think people realize, too, the value of your partner. And you said it. If Troy doesn't go, I probably don't go. It, it A big piece of this is he and I working together. I know you guys are good friends, but you can't just take, and I don't care, even Tom Brady, if they stick him next to you out of the cold, you know, go have lunch, guys, and play golf, get to know each other. Now go do a game. It just yeah. doesn't work that way. You know, I mean, it, that's for you to do what you do. You got to kind of know the ins, the outs, and what that person next to you when they're going to talk, when they're going to. You have to read them a little bit, and I, th- I think people at home just thinking, just stick any former player there, it'll work, and it's not that way. Well, just think about what you do on the set when you're in front of people and you're interacting. You know, as as odd as those interactions can be with with the people to your right, uh, it doesn't matter who it is. It's just you're coming off your report and now you've got to kind of do the the banter, the witty repartee before you go to commercial. You you're reading things off them. I read Troy's body language and I know the rhythm of how we do a game and I know based on the, the subtle inflection of his voice that he's finished and he need, or he needs me to jump in or you know he's he's searching for something and and I can maybe help, and vice versa. I mean, that's that's the beauty of having a twenty plus year partnership is you're in these high stress situations, and I kind of know where he's going to go almost before he does, based on how he starts into something. And I've kind of heard it before in a similar way, so it's huge. And you're right. I mean that that was the name they kept floating at me, like we might get Brady, we might get Brady, and. And my answer to that was always, well, Tom Brady's one of one. He's he's the greatest to ever do it. He's a wonderful guy. He's really fun to talk to. But I have I don't know him, and I have no idea how he's going to be as a broadcaster. It's a totally different job than playing quarterback in the NFL. So I've got a guy I like working with, and I've got a guy that I know. So it was like he left, and, and that was kind of like, okay, let's let's take the next step and try to make this continue elsewhere and you know as you said if, if he doesn't go I'm, I'm probably not only at Fox this year but potentially at Fox the rest of my life so it was it was a huge moment when he jumped and went to ESPN I don't know that anybody cares about any of this stuff but in my little weird world it was like hey uh, I've got a known quantity and in this job forget the money and that's hard too because it's stupid and ridiculous and I agree with all that, but it was like I, I want I want to go to where I'm comfortable, and uh, and that was with Troy. 
it seems like Brady, I think, has made the right move to sit out this year and sort of study, and maybe he'll even be following Burkhardt and Olsen around. I don't know. But I, I think that's smart because if you do just jump right into it, he might be bad and people might just crush him right away. I, I well, don't know. The, the I mean, lead time, Martin, these days is so short. Like they're, they're, the grace period is kind of over. And people are going to be I, – I mean, I hope he does it. I hope he does it. He takes the year off. He gets a feel for it, and then he goes because I think it'll be fascinating. And I think it's a great hire by Fox. But then you get into the unknown, and you're right. I mean, this is now a job. And for a guy that put so much work into playing quarterback, he's going to have to put similar type work, not physical, but similar type work and research and, you know, asking, I, I talked to him, we did his last game, as it turned out. And I, I said, he said, you know, I'm going to be calling on you guys for help. I was like, I'll give you anything you want, but it's now, you know, it's time to go for him. And I, I think he should, if that's not the plan, follow Kevin and Greg around. It's going to be weird for Greg, right. but, uh, and, and see what the mechanics are. Like, what's that button do? And, you know, when do I talk and, and what do you, you know, you think, you know, but you don't know until you get in there and do it. So yeah, gather himself after a year, make sure he wants to do it, put some work in, get, hire somebody. Uh, we know he's got the money, hire somebody to kind of do practice games with him and, and get, get good behind the scenes. And then, you know, I, I think take it on next year. You and I had texted about this, but it was Aaron Rodgers, and he was on the Bill Maher podcast, and they're just talking about announcers, and they're saying, and Mar and Mar's like, oh yeah, who does it? And who does a good job? And then Aaron's like, well, I like Joe Buck, and and Bill Maher's like, oh yeah, he's great, you know, he's great, and and Rodgers like, no, people give him a lot of crap, and he takes a lot of heat, and Bill Maher was incredulous as a just an observer, somebody at home watching games, and it just he was like, Joe's great, he's big time, he's one of the best, and. And Roger's like, no, people really give him a hard time. And it just reminded me that the majority of people out there are like, hey, there's Joe. He's great. It's a big game. And then there's the the vocal few on Twitter. And maybe it's not few, but they like to give you a hard time. And I just think sometimes we will read things and go, God, there's just a lot of people angry. And it's like the Cardinal game. You go to the game. People in that building are really excited about the franchise, and then you, you go online later, and everything they did was wrong and stupid, and they signed the wrong players. I, I think your critics specifically. I, I just thought that was an interesting exchange because Bill Maher is a, a sports fan that watches football, and he's like, oh, yeah, Joe's great. Had no clue that there's a segment out there that doesn't like you. Yeah, I know. It was it was a good reminder to me. I mean, it, it's obviously you're never going to make everybody happy. And and I I got sent that clip. I I'm, I wasn't aware of it until a few days after the fact. And I got sent the clip, and I texted Aaron, by the way, and he didn't tell me to lose his number, which was a, a win <laughs> on my part. But I said thanks. That means a lot. And and you know he 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 gets the same stuff. You know that was that was kind of his point. Like you know I, I nobody I think and and some of it's brought on himself but you know he takes stuff online and if you want to go in there and wait around and hear opinion after opinion uh, you can and i'm not saying those opinions don't matter but it i don't think it represents 
the majority. I think the majority of people don't care. And I, I think the majority of people go, yeah, it's fine. You know, whatever. He's doing the game, and I've been listening to him for 20 years or 30 years and whatever. But then there are the other people. You say something. It's, I think there's a lot of bleed over from baseball. Like, you know, I was calling a Cleveland home run, and the Chicago fans hated it because I got excited or vice versa. Or St. Louis fans hated it because the Giants hit a home run, and I had to scream and yell because that's my job. And so I think that bleeds over. Um, but yeah, it, I, you're right about the Cardinals. I think that's a good point that I, I, a lot of mistakes have been made. I think over time now, where changes have been made based on kind of the quote-unquote popular opinion online. I don't think that's the popular opinion. Overall, I just don't think it represents the majority of people. It's And by the way, it's one game, and it was an exciting game. And, yeah, they blew a bunch of leads, and there's 161 games <laughs> left. It's okay, and and they're going to be fine. Uh, so, you know, you can, you can get – it just it makes you kind of crazy because it's just overreaction, and everybody's got to have the hot take, and one's got to be nastier than the next. And when you just stop caring about any of that stuff, you know, John Zalak should not go to Twitter to find out if he did a good job putting this team together. He has to know in his heart that he he did the job he could do, and, you know, they'll, they'll add to it and subtract from it during the course of the year. It's the same way with me. I have to know that I put all the work in, and I'm trying to do the best I can, and if some people love it, great, and if some people don't, that's great, too, and, and I'll see you next week. That's just the way you have to go about it. Do you get feedback from your ESPN bosses? Do they ever critique anything, or I like this, or let's change this, or does that come from mom, sister, wife? Who gives you the most feedback? Yeah, I, I probably mom, sister, wife, four-year-olds, daughters. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's Twitter. I, I, but I, I don't, you know, I'm, not, I'm joking about it. I don't go in there and look for did I do a good job? I, I think I have to know. I know when I've done a decent job, and I know when I could have been better. And, uh, you know, year one at ESPN, I, I'm begging for feedback. I want them to go. And, and it was the same way Fox. It's like I just did a Super Bowl to 110 million people, and now we're all in a ballroom afterward having an awkward party with <clears throat> an open bar, and it's like, you're looking at the executives like, was it okay? Was it? I just did a, a game for 110 million people. Did you like it? And nobody really says anything. It's like, uh, okay, see you next year. So that's just kind of how it is. And I'd rather it be, hey, we love this. This could be better, but it's just not the way it is uh, at, at ESPN or Fox. Hey, Shanks, get a couple of vodka tonics in him. He'll let you know, pal. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking like the Christmas part. Everybody and over in the corner, I guess. Oh my God, Menifee's getting out of control. Now look at Terry. I'm just in my head. I have a Christmas party now with all the Fox people. Hey, I, I wish it was like that. <laughs> Those parties are so awful. Right. It, it's just everybody's tired. You know, it's and that's the week of the Super Bowl. It's like, hey, what parties are you going to when you're there to do the games? Like, ah, I'm in my room looking at stuff and I want to go to bed. Right. I, you know, I know everybody else is here to have a great time. I have friends texting me. Can you get me into the ESPN party, the Fox party? I'm like, I just don't want to deal with any of this. So, yeah, by the end of the game, whatever game it is, World Series, it's like everybody's tired of looking at each other and you just want to go home. 
I heard a story, this is unrelated to anything, but I was doing radio with your sister and we were talking about Letterman and I said, you know, I know he's can be quirky, maybe not always the you know most fun guy in the world, but I just was fascinated by him as a kid and I still really enjoy watching him. And she said, that was my brother, that was Joe. And then she told me a story, your dad, not auditioned, but almost was on Letterman and I guess there's a screening and it was probably not even with Dave, producers, whatever. And she said they didn't. He didn't make the cut, or they didn't put him on the show. And I go, "Oh, that is flipping brutal." Uh, do you remember that? And were you, as a kid, going, "Oh my God, Dad's going to be on Letterman. I'm going to get to meet Letterman." I, you know what? I don't remember that. I, I know that my mom's sister and I went, and maybe it was at the same time when we went to the show, and Joe Namath was the lead guest. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my God, I've, I've met this guy before. It's it's not really that exciting." And the uh, musical guest was Ashford and Simpson, the, the singers of Solid as a Rock. Oh, yeah. And uh, Joe, Julie, and Carol were in the audience. But I don't remember. Okay. To me, the way those shows work now is, you, you know, you have a marketing person or a network that's backing and says, hey, we'd love to try to get you on Fallon because you're doing the All-Star Game you know, the next night or whatever, and we're going to try to get it. And and if once it gets to that point, there's no real, at least at this time in our lives, audition to go on. I, I've never auditioned, but you do have to talk to the producer of the segment, and they'll, they'll kind of mine you for stories that Letterman or Conan or, you know, Fallon are going to want to get into, something that gets a good reaction out of you. So that they can they can kind of play off of it, but I I don't remember that. But that's it's too bad that that I, I I always thought people missed the boat with my dad, and it was frustrating when he got the Lifetime Emmy. Uh, you know, he went up there and he was it was toward the end of his life. I don't know what year it was exactly, but it you know it, all these executives. It, my dad's doing his typical banquet shtick, and I had executives from Dick Ebersol, you know, through every network coming up to me afterward going oh my god your dad is so funny i had no idea it's like really he's like 75 years old and he's been doing this for 50 friggin years you had no idea well you know shame on you that that you didn't see that side of him or let him show that side so that's kind of always been my my ulterior motive is to do what i do and then do other shows like Brockmire or go on Stern or, you know, pardon my take or whatever it is to show kind of the sense of humor that I try to show at banquets or gatherings or whatever that, that always seemed to go pretty well, knock on wood. So uh, maybe that, that was put into me by knowing that my dad never really got that shot. Um, you know, I, I don't want to, be 75 and people go you know oh, i had no idea he could do stuff like that well and i and I, I hate when the host makes it about themselves but i still get that from people they're like yeah hey, i've been watching on tv for years but i saw you do that roast of uh, plager and i saw the the panger one he goes i didn't know you were funny i'm like really you didn't i mean thanks i guess like, like i know what, I like what am i doing wrong people don't see that I, I i mean i see that with you on on a typical newscast i mean i i see that you know, it's not stiff. It's fun. It's light. It's this guy's got something extra. So I, you know, I, I've all, I've, I'm the same way. I'm like, really? You listen to broadcasts that I do? Do I seem like I'm just a, a stiff up there? Now, maybe 
some of that's from the Randy Moss thing or some of that's from perception of whatever I've done or not done that's like, uh, you know, oh, I hate this guy. And, and then, you know, nobody's going to go, I hate this guy. He's so funny. So, uh, you know, I, it is what it is. I, I'm, I, I tried to get as much of my personality into broadcast and network stuff early. And then you have guys like Phil Mushnick of the New York Post saying, this guy's trying to be too funny and too irreverent. And you don't ever want to come off like you're not respectful of the game you're doing, but you want to make it your own. And, and there's a fine line in there somewhere that I'm sure sometimes I crossed trying to be funny. But my, my, my job, whether it was with Tim for 18 years or Troy for 20-plus now, is to make them laugh. And, and I think it makes them even more endearing as analysts and people to, to have the audience hear them laugh. And, and so that's, that's kind of always been, if I can make Aikman laugh or I can make Tim laugh, or whatever, I, I feel like I've done a good job, and hopefully that makes somebody in the audience watching on television laugh too. And, and I want to say this about your dad because it just had me thinking. What I would say is he lived up to the hype in terms of me being a kid, listening on the radio, wanting to be the next Jack Buck, and then I end up being a young reporter at Fox 2, and I'd be down there doing live shots. And I told your mom and Julie this. We are at the Carney uh, charity event recently, and I, I was telling this story. I said, here I am running around – and it's like 6.18, my hit's at 6.20, and I'm like, oh, my God, my guest isn't here. What I, and your dad's sitting in the dugout, and I'm like, Mr. Buck, is there any way you would just – it's literally going to take a minute and a half. And he said, I'll do it. you got to tell me who stiffed you, kid. And I said, well, I said, Jockety was supposed to come out, and he goes, that's a pretty good one. That's a, I'm, I'm happy to fill in for Walt. They're like he was impressed that it was – but I, but he, he was so – Easy to be around. I was nobody. I'm standing there. That's one occasion. Another time I wanted to do a longer sit-down piece, and he said, just call me, 969-BUCK, or whatever the number was. And I 962-BUCK. 962-BUCK. And I was like, really? That's the number? He's like, write it down. Don't forget. And I was like, he could not have been – he lived up to it, you know? And I and it's so disappointing when you – I'll say it, like idolize somebody, then you meet him and you're around him like, oh, they're kind of a turd. That's too bad. And, and, and it happens a lot, but he didn't disappoint. No, I, he was so – he was so smart. And, and I, I don't know that – he was – wickedly funny but a, a lot of his humor was really born from his intelligence he was really well read he read biography after biography i wish i was better at that he grabbed a newspaper every day and i'm sure you're like me go right to the sports section he went from the front to the back and was really curious about the world around him and that peppered into his you know, his wealth of knowledge that became lines at banquets. Um, so I, I just, you're right. I mean, he, I saw it as a kid and it was the greatest, I don't know, it was the greatest lesson I could be taught practically, which was how to treat people, how to not act like a big shot, how to, you know, if somebody said hi, you stop and say hi back. He was inquisitive. Uh, about people's lives and and who people were and where they were from, and he remembered them. I mean, there were people that would randomly come up to us as a family at dinner at Canetto's most of the time, and uh, you know, hey Jack, you know, I met you back in 1975. We were at a banquet in 
Poughkeepsie, and he's like, oh, that's right, yeah, and, and, and he would genuinely remember something about them. And, you know, I, I somebody, a friend of mine told me a story about being at O.B. Clark's, uh, which is obviously a huge blues hangout, whatever, but my dad went in there for a, a late lunch and was headed to the airport, and he went in to get something to eat, and my friend said the place was absolutely empty. And he said, I'm sitting at the bar, having a beer, having something to eat. Your dad could have sat. He didn't know him. He said, your dad could have sat anywhere in the entire place. It was wide open. And he came up and sat next to me and started asking me questions about who I was. And, I mean, I can't tell you how completely opposite I am from that. Uh, I wish I was better about it. I'm, I'm friendly to everybody I meet. But, I mean, he, he went out of his way to get to know people. And, and I think that's a great trait, especially now in the, in the, you know, times we're in where everybody's so divided and everybody's ready to get mad and everybody's got, you know, whether it's religious or political or everybody's got differences. And he, he didn't care about any of that stuff. And, and he wanted to get to know why you are the way you are and, and what in your upbringing or what in your history makes you who you are right now and and i that's what made him a great interviewer and uh you know i i I watched that every day of my youth all right final final thought and this is like uh we had dan patrick years ago on the radio and it was such a long interview he said good god are there no commercials on this station (laughs) Uh, well edited in post later so high maintenance dan patrick um it it was really (laughs) He was. I think at the time we didn't have commercials. That station didn't make it anyway. Now that I'm right, thinking okay. about it, all right. Last thought: If Mom doesn't send the tape to Fox, the famous story to Ed Gorn. Hey, Fox is looking for young announcers, and she famously, the great Carol Box said, "Hey, you should do this. You should be." What do you think your career path would have been if she doesn't do that? Do you think you still end up on network, or do you think you would have been the Cardinal announcer for 30 years? Is there? And have you ever thought about that? I, I th- no, I've never thought about that, but I think there is a sliding doors kind of that movie, you know, where things happen if you either make the train or you don't, and how your life goes one way if you make the train and one way if you don't. I, I think there's there's some validity, and I, I probably wouldn't have been in that initial round of hirings. I'd like to think that I would have found my way there at some point, but I, I got there and I got established for two years. And then Fox gets baseball. Well, I mean, every every bit of my tape that Ed Gorin watched was baseball, and I had nothing. I had no football to show him, and I was kind of faking it and winging it, being the the football announcer. But now it's like, oh my God, they got baseball. This is what I do, and so that led to doing the national games with Tim and doing the World Series and all that stuff. And then you know, Summerall and Madden are finished at Fox and Madden moves on and Summerall semi retires and we need people to take that over. Well, I've done well on baseball. So now, you know, why don't we put him, he does football, he can handle doing a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it just was a domino effect that started, you know, embarrassingly or rightly with my mom talking to Patty Gorin, Ed's wife going, Hey, our boy Joe is good. Here's his tape and uh, Patty making Ed watch it, and then them calling me out to do I didn't get hired off that, but I got the audition off that, and I got hired off the audition. When I walked out of the door, this guy George Krieger 
said, I don't know if you have an agent or not, but you should get one because we're going to be hiring you. So I left this audition doing a game in a studio off a television monitor, knowing as I flew back to spring training in my mom and dad's house that I was going to be hired as a Fox football play-by-play guy, which I never thought I would be, um, especially then. And it just worked out. So I'd like to think eventually, yes, but, but definitely not that early. We started with Joey. I should end. I'll do the Randy Carrier. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. Good to have you on the show. You're the best, my man. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Randy Martin. You got it. So much fun to talk to Joe, and he's just he's just the best. He really is. Easy to deal with, nice to people around town, and just an open book. In fact, he wrote a book about everything he goes through, the fact he started crying, broke down after the first game on Monday Night Football. I think we look at the money and the, the prestige, and I mean, it's a great life, but I, I think we often forget the human side. Well, it must be nice, it must be nice. But you're still a human dealing with the pressure. You know the whole world's watching. And somebody who's dealt with a lot of critique over the years, I'm sure it's like, oh, God, what are people going to say? And and how could that not be stressful, no matter how much money they're giving you or how cool the platform is? So always fun to have Joe on the show and just kind of being an open book. Kilquin Conversation now nightly on KTRS. Folks from out of town, if you get the app, Go to the App Store, KTRS, and it's the new one. There's a white one and a blue one. It's the blue one. That's the newest app, and you can listen to the station all day long, wherever you happen to be. And the show is 6 to 7 nightly, and we've had some really great guests, and we will continue to do so on a regular basis. We are coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. New location coming into Kirkwood. That's going to be at the corner of Manchester and Woodlawn Road. So a little expansion there for our friends at the Pasta House. If you haven't been in a while, get back. Every location is unique. These are not cookie-cutter uh, locations at all. Each one has a beautiful little bar area, different seating arrangements. It's uh, it's worth stopping by wherever you happen to be. Marita Villa Senior Living, longtime sponsor, along with Triad Bank and Appliance Discounter. So if you're in the market for a washer, dryer, stove, any of the above, Get the biggest names at the lowest prices. You can do that at Appliance Discounters. For all your banking needs, and I always encourage business owners to talk to the folks at Triad Bank because you're not going to get the runaround. They're not calling New York or L.A. It's all decided right here in town at Triad Bank. Truly, the neighborhood-friendly bank. And again, Marie Devilla Senior Living. Normally this time of year, the fountains would be blue for a little blues playoff run, but I guess we'll have to wait till October and... Might want to have that red dye, the red dye on hold. Typically, fountains are red in October. Let's let's just let this cardinal season play out. Thanks for tuning in to the Kilcoin Conversation.